welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. This is Karen, and I am here with Chris Conley, who is the lead pastor at High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are just excited that you are joining us. We hope that you were able to catch our last broadcast where we began the conversation in the whole context of this topic of mentoring. What we are hoping to do is to provide a great resource for you to be able to know if maybe you're at that place in life right now where you feel like you have something to offer, maybe a younger woman or man, somebody that's just maybe a step behind you in their walk with the Lord, and you want to be willing but not really sure what that looks like, that's what we're here for. We want to be able to equip believers to be able to become that man or woman that will be mentoring other people. Last time that we were together, we kind of began that conversation and we talked about that first time that you meet. We talked about how important it is to have that relational connection. Hear the person's story. This person that is interested in being mentored, maybe they've approached you, maybe you've approached them, but more often than not, it's someone coming to you saying, hey, I see something in you. Would you consider mentoring me? And then you would set up this type of meeting for the first meeting. And our last session together, we mentioned kind of starting that meeting out, hearing the other person's journey, asking questions so that you as the possible mentor really can kind of get a picture of their story. As we pick up today, Chris, I want to jump in kind of once you're past those introductory conversations, which are very important. We talked about that last time, but moving beyond that. What are the types of questions that you as the mentor need to make sure that you ask during that first session as you're setting the stage for a potential long-term relationship as a mentor? Where do you start in terms of asking questions of this possible mentee? This is vitally important because most people, when they ask you about mentoring them, they've never been mentored before. It's a very generic kind of conversation. I know this is something that has helped some people. I know it's a big topic. I know a lot of people talk about it, but they don't understand the specifics. And so in order for this mentoring relationship to be successful, we do have to dive into some of those specific questions. And so as the mentor, I want to hear from the person that is asking me to mentor them what their goals are. And that begins with some very generic questions in this sense. Why do you want me to mentor you? Now, when you ask that question, you just want to pause and listen. You're trying to force them to think. They may not really know, but this is an opportunity for you to shape what they're really asking for, to begin to understand whether or not you're the right person to mentor them. Because once we begin to narrow our focus and understand what they really need from this mentoring relationship, then we can evaluate whether we're the best one and most qualified one to provide that. I find this when I'm working with women that it's important if you are the one that is being looked to to mentor this other woman, even in this very first meeting that you take on the leadership role. So many times, either out of humility or insecurity, we might just kind of dance around different questions or not act like we want to take too much charge. But I do think it's important, like you said, to shape this, to make sure that you do take the lead and do 
get them to need to, res- you know, to respond to you and, and give you some meat so you know really what you're working with because you are going to be the one probably that's going to be able to better determine if this is a good fit more than possibly they can. It's essential. It's one of those things where they have come to you and in coming to you, they understand that there's something they don't have and there's something that you do have. So just go ahead and let's not have false humility. Let's go ahead and appreciate the fact that they're looking to me for a specific reason. They see something in my life, in your life, that they want in their own life. So act like you know what you're doing. And in that regard, lead them through these questions. And sometimes you just want to explain, say, hey, in this first meeting, here's what we're going to do. We're going to connect relationally. Then we're going to define the goals of a mentoring relationship. And we're not necessarily committing right now. We're evaluating whether or not this would be a good relationship and what's the best way for it to be successful. That's vital for both parties to understand in this first meeting, it is not that the commitment has already been made. And I would encourage someone, if you have been approached by someone and they say, hey, would you mentor me, that the answer is not yes. The answer is I would love to pray about it first. And secondly, I would love to get together and talk about it. And I find, at least in my experience, and you tell me if this would ring true in a a more global sense of experience, it's very helpful to go meet with that person and have that conversation in the context of praying through it. There's certainly some perspective of if God brings someone, this may be who God has provided for you to pour into. But there's also needs to be some discernment in there to go, does my life experience and does my journey make a good fit for this particular person? Well, just because the desire is there and the need is there doesn't mean it's the right fit. And so by having that exploratory meeting and beginning to connect relationally and define those goals, you can discern whether or not you are the right mentor for this mentee. If not, then you're going to have a good idea as to who might be in your circle of influence. And so as we think about this, you know, that first question is, why do you want me to mentor you? And then just listen. And and as you listen, try to pull some specifics out of them because at first they're a little bit uncertain and they're not going to know exactly. It's okay for you to interrupt them. It's okay for you to shorten their answer. It's okay for you to begin to say, what specifically do you want from this relationship? And that kind of leads into the second question. What are your goals for this mentoring relationship? And so you're trying to get them to think if we were to meet together for six months, What do you want to see to be the result of us meeting together after six months to force them to think about actually accomplishing something? Sometimes people will say, I just kind of want to hang out and just learn from you. And yet there's an aspect in the mentoring relationship where we do some social fun things together. But it's got to be more focused than that. They do need to be able to articulate goals. And if they can't, then you begin to help them articulate goals through this meeting. And that is something that I've been more successful when I've maybe talked to this person in advance, maybe when I'm on the phone with them setting up this meeting to say, here are a couple things that I want you to think through that when we get together, I would love for us to talk about. And so I might even give them these questions in advance of why do you want uh, me to mentor you or what are your goals for this mentoring relationship? Because you're right, there are some people that they've just kind of hit a bump in the road. 
what they've seen, if they've been in a church body or they know somebody who's been mentored, they go, okay, well, when she got stuck, she found a mentor and maybe that's what I need to do. And they've really not thought through it further than that. So for you to give them those questions even in advance might even bring a more fruitful answer when you're actually together. That's a great idea. Different personality types need more advanced information. Surprise. I would be the one that would be asking the questions in advance because I like that stuff in advance. Exactly. As you do, if you think about it, sometimes you can use these illustrations when you give that advanced information. You know, if you were working with a personal trainer, and you were trying to decide, okay, what's the best way for me to get in shape? What's the best exercise and diet program? That person's going to ask some questions from you as to what your goals are. And they're going to ask you to bring some information to that first meeting to discern that. Really, this is a type of spiritual training, right? So in this mentor-mentee relationship, you're the personal trainer and you're trying to help that person accomplish their goals. In that context, we've given them two questions. Another question maybe to throw out there to the person that is asking you to mentor them is, what would make this mentoring experience successful? Elaborate on that. What are you looking for when you ask that question? Well, we're trying to start with the end in mind. So if they don't really know the answer to that, then we don't know if we're being successful or not. A lot of times there's some hidden expectations And we're trying to define the expectations so that we can actually design a mentoring process, a plan for the mentoring relationship to help us hit the goal. When we ask this question, what would make this mentoring experience successful? We want them to think about what's the problem? How can you help me solve the problem? As a result of this relationship, this is how I have advanced. This is how I'm better. This is how I have improved. And again, you want to be able to celebrate the wins along the way. And so by defining those, then you can encourage them along the way and say, look, you're making progress in your goal. All of this sounds really good, but I'm imagining for some people, this sounds really formal goals and all of this stuff that that they've got to think out in advance. Is there a scenario where a woman comes and just says, I really do. I just want to hang out with an older woman. I just want to kind of be around and learn from her. What do you do if that's what their desire is? Well, there are informal mentoring relationships where you kind of learn by being in a close proximity. You learn by being in a circle of friends. You learn by simply just kind of observing and watching this person's life. This type of mentoring is more strategic. It's more structured. And unapologetically, I tell that person, listen, I value the relationship. But in order for the relationship to really have its maximum influence and impact, then what we need to do is we need to go somewhere together. You know, we need to travel somewhere together. And when we accomplish something together, you know, some of the best relationships in the world are when people are teammates, right? Some of the longest, most enduring friendships in the world are people who are foxhole buddies. I mean, they're serving in a war together. They're fighting something together. Well, guess what? Christianity has a mission, and the mission isn't just hang out. The mission is to go make disciples, and we are called soldiers. And what we're to do is we're to team together to accomplish something. Now, in that, we build incredible relationships along the way. But I would try to stretch that person from just having a relational perspective to a perspective of we're on mission. 
this is why this is one of my favorite things to talk about in all of mentoring, because it is so pivotal to set the expectations on the front end. So if somebody comes to you and they do just want to hang out and they just want to be in your circle and you're coming to them with something much more structured and much more formal and you've never had this conversation, then both of you will be disappointed. You will be feeling like you're always trying to pull them, you know, moving on that journey and they're going to feel like, gosh, I just want to be with them. I don't want to have to do homework or be prepared when I come to meet. And so, again, this conversation and asking these questions helps define what both of your expectations are to see if they're in agreement. Well, and what's important with that is this is biblical mentoring. In that regard, we're learning what mentoring is from the great men and women of the faith throughout history, Old Testament, New Testament. And so we're going to learn and we're going to say, what was that relationship with Moses and Joshua? And we're going to try to see what were the dynamics involved there and and how can we replicate that? What was the relationship with Jesus and his disciples and how can we replicate that? What's the relationship with Paul and Timothy? So we are defining mentoring according to scripture. In light of that, let me give you a couple of scriptures that as you have this first meeting, And as someone might be having these questions of, wow, you know, I didn't realize mentoring involved all this, you can say, well, let me show you what our guideline is here. This is how the Bible pictures what mentoring is. And so in Proverbs 27, 17, it says this, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. And so it's a sharpening process. It's through the relationship, we're definitely going to get to know one another better. We're definitely going to build those dynamics that exist where we connect relationally. We build a friendship. We share the emotional highs and lows of life. But there is a sharpening process where what should happen is I should take my strengths and they begin to apply to your life. And I try to help you become stronger in your areas of weakness. One of my absolute favorite verses is First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says this, But we prove to be gentle among you. So gentle obviously speaks to a relational aspect, right? As a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. So again, I mean, how much more relational can that be? Watch this, verse 8. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. And so in the mentoring relationship, there are things that we have learned about specific Bible verses, about specific truths, specific applications. But then there's things that we're imparting our own life to you. They're life experiences. They're things we've learned from our failures and our hurts and our wounds and our healing and the highs and lows of life. That's where The truth of God is always packaged in a person. It's incarnational. It's two sides of one coin. It's relationship on one side and it's truth on the other side. It's actually truth in love. You don't want to go too far in this process at all without continuing to point them back to scripture. Like you said, this is not our own idea. This is not just something we're making up as a good program. We are wanting to follow in obedience to how Scripture teaches us to pour into one another. And like you said, with that gentleness, and also it speaks even to you as the mentor to go, am I really willing to impart my own life? This is a commitment 
on both behalves and that, that you want to take it seriously and know that, that this is something that we are called to do as believers. As you talk about taking it seriously, two more verses I want to share as you build the foundation. When you have this first mentoring relationship, you don't want to overwhelm them with information, but these four verses are the foundation. We can give many more examples of mentoring throughout the scriptures as we progress through the relationship. But in Colossians 1, 28 through 29, it's really an excellent verse that describes the goal, the ultimate goal of the mentoring relationship. It says, we proclaim him, that being Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. That's the goal right there, that in this mentoring relationship, I want to do everything I can as the mentor to the mentee to present you complete in Christ. Now, complete is not perfect, but complete in the sense that you have received salvation, you are growing in sanctification, and you are constantly walking with God. You are making progress. It's not perfect, but it is progress. Watch what it says in verse 9. This speaks to how much work is involved. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So it's a labor on behalf of the mentor, but it's also a labor on behalf of the mentee. And here's a very, very valuable truth. If me as the mentor, if I'm working harder at your faith development, at your love relationship with God, then you are, then there's something wrong. You're coming to learn from the mentor. And you've got to be willing to put in the work. And if I'm working harder than you for an extended period of time, then we're going to be in danger of needing to end the relationship because you're not ready for this responsibility yet. That is a great truth to present in that first meeting, because quite honestly, in the culture that we are in, not many believers really have been brought up with an expectation that their walk requires work. It's more casual. It's more show up and listen. And that's not a threat at all to the person that you are considering being their mentor. But it just gets the wheels turning. It's more in the context of them understanding, listen, I want to pour into you and I want to be used of the Lord in the way that God wants me to be used in your life for them to understand this is a two way commitment and it requires them to work as well. And that may be new for them. That doesn't mean that you can't be their mentor. But it does mean they need to begin to put some expectation on their commitment level as well. This type of mentoring isn't just the new believer. It can apply to the new believer. But oftentimes for the brand new follower in Christ, we can offer classes. One of the classes we're developing right now is a class called Basics Christianity 101. So that new believer can go into a class learn the basics, build the fundamentals into their life. And as they do that, they build some elements of faithfulness and they can make progress by being an active member, participant, partner in the local church. 
But then they get to a place where they need a mentor to come alongside of them to help them take those next steps of advancing in their walk. Sometimes I call it kind of getting over the wall. It's kind of like on a scale of 1 to 10, that new believer can through classes and through the local church, they can go from one to four, but five is kind of this big wall, you know, and you kind of put in your mind basic training in military. You see those guys have to climb the wall. Well, how do we climb the wall? Oftentimes we can get one arm up on top of the wall. We can get one leg up on top of the wall, but there's someone on the other side of the wall that when you get to the top, they grab a hold of you and they flip you over and they help you run the race from five to 10. And so when you think about that, 2 Timothy 2.2 speaks to this. It says, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this type of mentoring has an element of faithfulness that has already been developed. The new believer has gone to a new believer's class, a basics class. The new believer has consistently gone to worship and and is getting plugged in through the life of the church. And here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take those beginning stages, steps of faithfulness, and now we're going to accelerate that with this mentoring process so that they can then teach others also. So in the normal kind of flow of a typical person who comes to Christ, we'll often say, do you want a new believer to be where you are five years into their faith? Do you want them to look like you five years from now? And honestly, that question is really a challenge to us as those who have been walking with the Lord to say, we want to make sure that we do our job to walk alongside new believers. So just because someone has not been walking with the Lord for two years doesn't mean that they're not ready for that next step. We should be seeing that sanctification process of them. Let's say they do start in a class and they take that and they've been walking with the Lord for six months. Even though that's not what happens in our culture, they should be moving down that scale of one to 10 or whatever you want to say. We don't need to wait till they've been a believer for six years and they've been stuck before we're doing this. Absolutely not. The new believer can grow in maturity rapidly. And there are many people who, in chronological age, they've only been a believer for 18 months. But man, if they have been faithful, sometimes they're more mature and more faithful than someone who's been a believer for 18 years. We don't want to teach people to sit, okay? You've become a new believer. Now you've got to acquire all this Bible knowledge. You're just going to sit, and you're going to listen, and you're not going to do anything. In doing that, we're just teaching them to sit, and so what we've got to do is we've got to get them involved in the mission immediately so that they go from sitting to serving. And then the more they serve, the hungrier they become and the more mature they become. And, and it's just the cycle where they begin to feed themselves. And through that process, they can quickly, quickly begin to teach others what God's already taught them. And it's beautiful to see when it actually happens and that sanctification process doesn't get stalled somewhere along the way. And that's what we want to avoid through this mentoring is help those people that are just starting in their faith to accelerate that journey and to be able to move forward and not end up sitting, just like you said. We've got just a couple minutes left, Chris. Tell me a little bit about defining goals. How does that work in this first meeting? There's about five questions that I typically go over with people. The first one is this, what do you want most from mentoring? But I break that question down. What do you want most is the key word, most, okay? Not generic, most. Then what improvements do you want to see in three months, six months, and nine months? 
Let's start with the end in mind. What do we want most? Then let's break it down and say, what do we want in three months, six months, and nine months? Here's the second question. What is your commitment to the local church? I really can't help you if you have omitted yourself from the strength of the local church. The Mm -hmm. local church is what God has designed to be the primary way that he's going to disciple you. And I'm just one member of the local church playing a role in a mentoring relationship, but I cannot compensate for the lack of the local church. You have to have a foundational commitment to what it means to worship God, to connect with friends, and to invest in others through the local church. So that's the second question. Number three, what is your commitment to spiritual disciplines? And in that, this mentoring relationship will revolve around helping them develop some spiritual disciplines, get stronger in spiritual disciplines, but they need to know either they've already developed some commitments, like a lot of times people call it a quiet time, we call it a priority time, but we need to know how to help them, where they are, what's their commitment, set an expectation that we're going to expect more from them in the area of spiritual disciplines. Sometimes we have to define that term, but we want to really hear kind of what they think about that, and they need to have that expectation that that's where the sowing and reaping process comes, they've got to spend time in the Word of God in order for the Word of God to renew their mind and change them. The fourth question is this, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Now, that's just life. I mean, this isn't just like a hyper-spiritual question, you know, and just talking about their walk with God. I just want to know, what are their strengths and weaknesses? Is this a person that struggles with discipline? If they're not disciplined, then I need to know that. If they're an early morning riser, then man, That probably means that they've got some discipline in their life, and I can help them put in a spiritual discipline into the morning. If someone's not a morning person, it's going to be harder to help them kind of make that transition to a priority time. So what are your strengths and weaknesses? And then the fifth question that helps them define the goals is this. Are you willing to work harder at this than me? That's a bottom line question. That is a bottom line question. And we're going to have to leave it right there with that question. We'll look forward to continuing this conversation about how we can be as winsome and as wise as possible as we approach someone about that mentoring relationship, how to set it up for a successful journey. So we are so glad that you joined us today. Remember that you can tune in to chrisconley.net or karenconley.com to find out other information about Love Works, our podcasts, our blogs. We'd love to have you follow us along. And above all, we want you to remember love God plus love people equals love works. 